Precision medicine, is it hype or help, fact or fiction? Welcome to Precision Insight. This is a podcast series where the most influential thought leaders and innovators in healthcare sit with me to chat about the latest technologies and tools of precision medicine. What do we have available today as patients, caregivers and healthcare providers? Are we seeing a difference in the healthcare system? What is coming up in the near future? If you want to know more about this incredibly fast-moving field of research and development, stay tuned. I've got the pleasure of talking with Kurt Dame. Kurt is a vice president in Aon's Health Solution Practice and is based in Louisville, Kentucky office, which is unusual in seeing someone from this sort of organization introduce pharmacogenetics. So welcome, Kurt. Thank you, Martin. I'd like to kick off this podcast by hearing about that experience of your introduction of pharmacogenetics as part of a population health management strategy. So if you could talk the listeners through a little bit about why you came up with the idea and then how you implemented it, and then we can get to the results afterwards. Certainly. Thanks. Thanks again, Martin. So it's kind of a roundabout way of how we came up against the concept of pharmacogenomics, pharmacogenetic testing. And we actually started this in right around 2014. I had several university clients that I manage and work with their health plans. And primary to what we do when we consult in health plans is we do look at population health management programs. One of the metrics that we try to manage within a health plan are obviously chronic disease state. Medication, medication adherence, things like that are very key to how we look at chronic disease and how we better manage that chronic disease state. One of the universities that I worked with has an incubator program. And through that incubator program, there was a company that was working in the pharmacogenomic field. One of the practitioners that I worked with at this university had left the university and gone back to work at this pharmacogenomic company and approached me about the actual science of pharmacogenomics. At the time, this company was really going from doctor to doctor to try to promote the pharmacogenomic testing and the impact that the pharmacogenomic testing could have on patients. And there wasn't a lot of engagement using that type of a model. So he approached me knowing that I had some very significant clients that I was helping with their health plan and their health spend and their engagement and population health management and just approached me and said, Kurt, if this is the science that we have, how would you take this program and could you use it with your client? And so through a process of learning and talking to the scientists at this pharmacogenomics company, I quickly learned that and basically said that, you know, that the science seems valid if the results really are what we think they are. Every self-funded plan that we work with should have some type of pharmacogenomics program and taking that one step further, you know, this should become a standard of care in the medical field. I have been blessed with a client, Teachers Retirement System of Kentucky, that is very member-centric. They look at the member, they look at the quality of care, they try to look at quality outcomes and put the member and the quality outcomes really before price and expense. So obviously we have to be concerned about the cost of medical care, things like that, but Having a client that's willing to jump in the deep end, if you will, and look at some cutting edge tools that might help their members' quality of care, quality of life, better outcomes, you just don't find that very often. So 
I took this approach that we had with the pharmacogenomics, took the scientists from this pharmacogenomics company, and we traveled to Teachers Retirement System of Kentucky, gave them a presentation, and almost immediately they bought in. That's a long way around of telling you how I got into the pharmacogenomic industry. Yeah, that sounds very familiar to a lot of other people's experience of starting to gain knowledge of what pharmacogenetics is and what it can promise, and then moving to, well, why isn't this a standard of care? And then talking to the client base and saying, here is something that might help your clients, and then the adoption. But it is the adoption that often is a challenge. You know, the concept is fine. We've got another piece of information that can help, say, for prescribing. But how do you actually do that is a challenge. And so you've got the Kentucky teachers retirement system buying into it. How do you actually implement that? How do you do it on the ground? So it'd be great to hear about what happened next. So again, a very unique relationship in Kentucky. We actually, and again, driven by a couple of the universities that that I worked with, Through one of the universities, we actually developed what's known as the No URX Coalition, and this coalition for prescription drugs, if you will. So it's the purchasing of prescription drugs. But it's not just a purchasing coalition. The idea of building this coalition was to better bring quality care to the members through medication therapy management. And it just so happened that when we started to found this coalition, the founding members, the majority of them were my clients. So I worked with those clients, very large clients, public sector, to develop this coalition. And what was unique about the coalition is that we decided to embed within the coalition pharmacists that would take the approach to service every member and provide medication therapy management to those members. They would look at the plans and help better control costs through the plans, but they would also look at drug regimens that members are taking and help better manage what was happening there. So Know Your Rx Coalition had been in place with the teacher's retirement system for about five years prior to the pharmacogenomic program or or project coming up. So we knew that there had already been a relationship established. We knew that these pharmacists could be placed into the middle of the results of what we were going to get from the pharmacogenomics. And those pharmacists could then work with both the member and the physician if a change was required in medication. So we also knew that you know, it's not just about the pharmacogenomics. You know, you've obviously got the gene to drug interaction, but you've got also the drug to drug interaction and you've got the lifestyle factors that can be very important in whether a drug is metabolized properly. So what the pharmacist would do when they would get the actual results from the gene panel, they would call the member they would not only talk to the member about the results of the test, but they would find out from the member, you know, are you drinking grapefruit juice? What other lifestyle factors might impact the medications that you're taking? Are you taking other non-prescribed medication? And they would pull all of this into a medication action plan, MAP we call it, would then be utilized as a report to provide to the physician and an explanation would be given to the physician if indeed a drug needed to be changed from the results really of the medication action plan. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. That's fantastic that you had the pharmacist delivered service. So you had the trust already established between the professionals, the pharmacists and the physicians. You had the contact with the patient. You were looking at other variables in addition to drug drug interactions. So incorporating another interaction, pharmacogenetics, actually then wasn't the disruption that other systems might think of because you've got it established already. That sounds like a perfect scenario where you've got the facilitation by the pharmacist to do the heavy lifting and the communication and the trust is already there. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say that the teacher's retirement system, they've got a great team. You know, certainly the marketing to the membership was very important. You know, there was a concern with the privacy of the information. And the concern was mainly borne by the teacher's retirement system being a little bit afraid and cautious that the members would have a little bit more concern of that. So obviously all the protections were in place, but the marketing around that and the marketing of the program and what the teachers were doing, it was a multi-pronged marketing, group meetings, letters. They have a newsletter that goes out monthly. So all of those things combined helped to really engage the member, and it became a very exciting project, really, for the members to participate in. We also did a focus group prior to really putting any information or sending any information to the teachers themselves. So through the focus groups, we learned a little bit what at least the other teachers thought would work as far as putting this information out there. Sounds like a lot of thought and planning went into making the ground really fertile for this innovation. Kudos to the team and and yourself for thinking through all those elements and making sure it was as prepared as it was. So I'm interested, what were the results? It is an ongoing project. We are in the third year of the project, and I'll give you some metrics here. And these metrics are as of January 2020. There were several phases of sending letters of participation out to the members. Teachers Retirement System, give you a little information about them. They have about over 36,000 members. So the goal was really to market to all 36,000. We do know from a risk profile that we ran early on that, again, just some metrics, we had the average number of prescriptions that were being taken by the membership were 15. We had about 75% had high blood pressure, 58% on high cholesterol medication, 50% on some type of pain inflammatory medications. We knew that 83% of the population was taking a medicine that had some type of known pharmacogenomic implication. So obviously the population, and by the way, average age of 74 in this population, it is a retiree population. But we did know that there was significant risk out there. So with those numbers at mind, currently we have enrolled in, after two years, about 8,500 members. We have approximately 7,000 that have gone through the full gene panel, have received the results, have taken the medication therapy management or, or had a phone call from the pharmacist and have interacted with the physician, so the results have come through. So about 7,000 total to date that have completed the full project. So the results, what we have seen, and that's about 23% enrollment. From Of that 23, we've got about a 73% completion rate, and we've got about 81% of the medication therapy management reviews completed. 
know, the pharmacists are still working through some of the population that, you know, have not had that full map presented. 64% of the medication action plans resulted in a recommended change in plan. So by plan, we mean change in some type of medication. And I'm going to give you a little statistic. So these are numbers through May. So when we look at the clinical side of this, part of how we understand the implications of results or return on investment, if you will, is to collect the medical claim information and the prescription drug information and then analyze that information. And we have claim and pharmacy information through May of 2019. So the results I'm going to give you, the numbers are a little bit different, and that is because we are just now updating the claim information. So these results would have reflected claims through May. With that being said, there were 5,313 patient medication therapy management reviews. Of that, 3,401 required a medication change. Now, of that 3,401, that medication change may have been due to a lifestyle factor or it may have been due to a drug-to-drug interaction. 1,463 of that 5,313 were specific to a pharmacogenomic impact where a drug was needed to be changed because of that gene-to-drug interaction. Just interrupting you for a second. So out of that 5,000, 1,400 had information that was only available by doing a pharmacogenetic test. It wouldn't have otherwise been known. That's correct. And that's about, it's about 27.5% of that total, Yeah, which kind of rings true when you think about the overall percentage of numbers of medication and people that have that gene to drug interaction right at 30%. So it falls kind of in line with the percentages that we know that are out there. Another interesting fact here is that when the pharmacist did call the physician and they recommended a change in a drug, 87% of the recommendations were accepted by the physicians. I think that's a very large number and it's very impactful. We know that the pharmacists had to do much education to the physicians, and that 87% of recommendations being accepted is, a, again, a, a very significant number. Yeah. The other interesting figures, I guess, might be that we didn't have a cohort, so we weren't actually isolating a group where we said, this group is going to take the test, this isn't, this one isn't. But what we were able to do within the population is look at members that had taken the pharmacogenomic test and their risk and demographic profile and match those against similar risk demographic profile within the teacher's retirement system. So of those groups, when we're comparing those two groups, there was a 14% reduction in the cost to the plan spending after 16 months from the group that took the test. There was a 3.2% increase in the, again, the similar demographic and risk profile of the group that didn't take the test. Hmm. So again, another relatively significant finding from the pharmacogenomic project that we're doing. Yeah, that sounds impressive numbers to get, you know, I mean, there are two things we're looking at is the improvement in health of the individuals, the wellness, if you like, of the individuals in the plan who had the test. But that often is reflected by a reduction in cost, whether that's 
through utilization of health services or medication. So great to see that direction of reduction of, of cost associated with the pharmacogenetic. I will give one other scenario. You know, clopidogrel is one of those drugs that has a high incidence of where you have a gene-to-drug interaction. But, you know, we did from this, there were actually a couple of members that presented to the hospital with a heart attack. They went into the hospital, a stent was put in, and they were released from the hospital with a prescription for clopidogrel in their hand. And both of these members, after leaving the hospital, had the foresight to say, hey, we just did this test with the teachers. Let's call Know Your Rx and make sure that this prescription works for us. And in both those cases, the prescription lipidogrel would not have worked. And, you know, it would have been like taking M&Ms. Yes. And so a, a call was made to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, no, let's, you know, certainly make that change in medication. When we look at situations like that, in my opinion, that's life-changing. I mean, Literally, you could save a life with a scenario such as that. And those are real lives. So, you know, what's the cost of a life? No, absolutely. And it is the human stories that are really important here, because when it comes down to it, that's what healthcare is about. So those are important to hear. And it sounds like Know Your Rx is is one of the key factors here that that it's got the trust of the patients as well, which I hadn't picked up on, that individuals in the plan would take initiative to contact them and say, I'm thinking of taking this drug and be given advice by the pharmacist. It it does sound like a a real advantage to those individuals in the plan. Yes, and Martin, that brings up another good point. And I try to mention this when we talk about this program. You know, the limitations of the program and the limitations of the result come in with the dissemination of that information. So as we all know, There are many electronic medical records that are floating around in different physician offices and hospitals, et cetera, and those electronic medical records typically don't talk to one another. And there's not been a great uptake by some of these larger electronic medical companies to pull in the results of the pharmacogenomic testing and or the medication action plan that's developed using other factors. So it becomes an issue when a member does go to the hospital and that hospital doesn't have the results built into the electronic medical record, how do they know what dose, what drug to prescribe if they don't have this information available and they don't know the information's out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a key point. And I think, you know, this is going to be a, a reverse technology exchange where the community is actually leading the way and hospitals are picking up on this. And I'm sure their systems will and are changing to accept this information. But I think it's a problem that a lot of health authorities and regions have is the sharing of health information across different settings. So we'll continue with that challenge. And maybe the last question I wanted to ask is, how long does it take for a pharmacist to do a medication action plan, recognizing that some will be very short and some will be very long? On average, how long does it take? Oh, that's a great question, Martin. So when we first started out the project, we didn't know what that answer was. And you're right. Some take a very short amount of time. But on average, what we're finding, there, there are now 15 pharmacists within Know Your Rx Coalition. We have had as many as three dedicated to this project. On average, what these pharmacists are telling us is that 
It's about at least one hour for each member on the phone, either with the physician and or the member, to create this. And that doesn't include actually loading the information, et cetera, but to create what they need for the medication action plan. So it is very time intensive. Yeah, it certainly is. And resuming the training of the pharmacists and, and making sure that they're up to date and then the education plans for the physicians a little bit. So, yeah, this is obviously a very well-organized program. But what I'm seeing is that you put a lot of effort into that, which is giving the dividends downstream that you do have this dedicated team of pharmacists who are able to do this. And while it may take an hour, I'm sure if you didn't have the skills, it might take two or three times longer if you hadn't had that sort of background training. Yes, I would imagine that would be correct. And it's very interesting, you know, from the pharmacist's point of view, we've talked about this a lot. This takes the pharmacist out of their normal role. And the pharmacists that are working in this project absolutely love working with the members. And they love it because they can see the results of what they're doing. You know, they see that they have an impact on a member's life. And they find it very, very rewarding. One other thing, Martin, I just wanted to mention, we are working with a couple of PBMs on maybe what might end up being a novel approach, trying to integrate the results of the pharmacogenomic testing, to a certain extent, the medication action plan, and creating an edit like a prior authorization that a PBM might use with a pharmacist at a point of sale. So the idea being that if we could create a way to forward this information to the pharmacist at a point of sale, and that pharmacist could then look at it as a member presents at a pharmacy, you could get around the issue with the electronic medical record and be able to stop possibly a gene. You know, they already have information on the drug to drug, but certainly on a gene to drug at point of sale. Absolutely. It sounds really interesting. And you know what? We'll come back to you in six to nine months and find out how that's going, if that's okay with you. Perfect. So just like to thank you very much. I think this has been a fascinating discussion hearing about this project. And there are many factors I think that listeners will take away when they're thinking of setting up similar programs as pharmacogenetics gets rolled out across many jurisdictions. So Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to catching up with you again as we hear more about the project going forward. Yes, and thank you, Martin. I really appreciate the opportunity.